Forever Young Old Adult Bookplate. Welcome to the August 2019 edition of Bookplate. Find us on the web at foreveryoungadult.com. Join a book club chapter in your area or start your own by visiting us online and clicking on the book club link at the top. Don't forget to check out our monthly themed wallpaper created by graphics goddess Mandy C, which is always featured at the top of the page. I am Annie, and in For Never World Wake, I think I'm probably Martha. Mm. Either Martha or her psychotherapist. <laughs> I'm Gandalf, the dog. Ah. Yeah, the one who has to be given Prozac or he'll pee everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of pills in this book. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm Brit, my real name. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are your hosts of Forever Young Adult Bookplate. We always start our podcast off with our amuse-bouche, which gives us an idea of what we're going to get into. And for Neverworld Wake, uh, here we go. Beatrice, Martha, Kipling, Cannon, and Whitley have a reunion a year after the death of their friend and ringleader, Jim. The rain-soaked road turns things sinister, and they're trapped in a sliver of time until they can all agree on one thing, who gets to live. And this is by uh, Marisha Pessel. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, that's there's a lot in this book, so I tried not to do too much with the intro. Yeah, it's a mindfuck. <laughs> yes, that is the technical term. Yes. <laughs> so next up is our other cover take, where we ask our significant others what they think. Uh, my significant other is Jamile, and I asked him, I've actually recommended him this book, but uh, I showed him the cover, and he said, Waking in Another World, Another Dimension, Going Between Worlds. Okay, pretty accurate. Garrett was looking at the cover, and he said, it looks like they're out in nature, maybe a group of friends go on a nature adventure, because there's one girl who needs to find herself. And I'm like, is that the girl who's faces the mountain? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Eh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the cover is nice. Yeah. I don't it, think it I realized her really... face was the mountain until I looked at it again. That took me a minute, too. I didn't yeah. realize that at first. But yeah, it's kind of hard to tell what's going on in the book by the cover or anything, really. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you could take one piece of this book and make sense of it. It really does have to be looked at as a whole. Yeah, I was talking about it to my mom as I was reading it. And I'm like, I know this sounds really weird because it's like, oh, wait, no, they're all dead. Wait, no, they're not actually dead. They're in limbo. Wait, blah, blah, blah. But I, I do love a good unreliable narrator. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is she's very unreliable. Don't trust her. Don't trust anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our appetizer is the Step Mansion Pill Stash. Like I said, there's a lot of pills in this book. And also Groundhog Day is real. I can't mm. remember if they use the actual hashtag in the book. I don't remember either. But they definitely say Groundhog Day is real at one point. Yeah. So that's the main. I mean, that's the basic concept of the book, right? They are stuck in a loop and they have to keep repeating this singular piece of their life over and over again until they can all come together on vo and vote which one singular one of them gets to live and get out of the loop. Yeah. And there can only be one dissenter, but otherwise the vote has to be unanimous. That's right. Yeah. There was a lot of like conditions as well. Yeah. And the date and the hours that they have keep getting shorter. And then for each one of them, there's a different set of time. It's like pretty complicated. Yeah. And they figure out how to manipulate it to go back 
to other days and times and places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is really complicated. It was a lot. What did you what did you think about it? Were you interested? Yeah, I mean, it was hard to put down just because I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> what is going to happen? Where is this going? And then, you know, the more you read, the more like you realize you don't know because like you think you know one thing and then it's like, oh, this other character. And yeah, so I I enjoyed it overall. I definitely thought I was not going to enjoy it because East Coast affluent <laughs> high schoolers is maybe my least favorite genre mm. of all time. It's just so beyond my personal experience. So I'm not a fan of Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> no, I mean, no. <laughs> that book was well written. I can appreciate the craft of the writing and still acknowledge that you're just writing about something that I don't care about mm-hmm. and probably never will be interested. I just, I will say this now, and I don't think I need to repeat myself, but I just don't care about the hard life of people who have so much wealth and so much money and so much given to them and then still can't get their fucking shit together. <laughs> See a therapist, figure it out. Like, <laughs> I think like definitely, um, maybe less so now, but when I was a YA, an actual YA, I liked reading these kinds of books just because like I've always liked fantasy But then even though I wouldn't say this book is contemporary because there's the whole time travel thing. But even if it was like a contemporary book, but it was like these characters who were like rich and popular and went to parties and blah, blah, blah. It felt like a fantasy to me because that's like so different than my life that I was like, this is a world that like is so unlike my own. Let me just put myself in this other situation. Yeah, it is fantasy. But for me, it's like those people get to run the world. Yeah. Like Brett Kavanaugh could easily be one of the characters in this book Mm. and no matter what happened to him or what he did to other people he still gets to be in power and I think that like I just my suspension of disbelief does not go that far yeah that's real (laughs) okay leaving politics behind (laughs) well I mean this is also a political concept but uh but you wanted to bring up the ableist language in the book yeah I mean there is a lot of ableist language that is quote-unquote accepted by most people like most people a lot of people still use like dumb and stupid and idiot and things that like have roots in you know in ableism but in this book it just it's very specific like when um is it Whitley texts yeah I think Whitley the main character she like in the very first page of the first chapter too long WTF hashtag not cool sorry my Tourette's again and I was like oh, does she have Tourette's syndrome? And then I'm like, oh, no. She's saying it facetiously like, oops, I can't control what I'm texting or I texted without thinking about it. And like, there was a lot of stuff like that. Like, um, just rub me the wrong way. Let's see. There is... I think Whitley in particular, a lot of her behavior is uh, forgiven because she just can't control herself. Mm-hmm. One of Kipling's mom, he oh, describes yeah. her as mommy bipolar, otherwise known as how to survive in the custody of a complete lunatic. That was literally like his college application essay. <laughs> Which, to be real, like his mother actually did have some sort of uh, like mental disability or illness, but it's not like diagnosed or discussed in any sort of like way. Yeah, and it just, it feels exploitative. Yeah. And then... 
Um, yeah, because he doesn't have like that's his character secret and flaw is that he was raised by this woman who didn't care for him. Right. And then, oh, the book, we're talking about this a little bit later, but the book within the book, The Dark House at Elsewhere Bend, they're talking about how they are listening to the audiobook and the actor is doing all these different voices, like the narrator. And uh, they describe her as having a schizophrenic ability to sound like completely different men and women, young, old, poor, aristocratic. I'm like, that's literally not schizophrenia no that's, but go off like <laughs> that's also what you're supposed to be able to do as, as a, a voice actor narrator. <laughs> yeah there's more i like highlighted a bunch of them um one of the other ones that really bothered me was Britt and i were actually talking earlier about how i have gotten really into audiobooks and one of the things i've been doing is finding the narrators who really can be all the different voices like i love that you're supposed to be able to do that yeah jokes about like mental institutions and padded cells and then there's one where is it oh and then the dog gandalf they said like he suffers from multiple personalities he's a great dane who thinks he's a lap dog i'm like just all of these just casual ableist phrases thrown around and like most of them are mental health related which is a lot of the ones that are still like accepted like people say crazy all the time, like without thinking about the implications of that too. Right. So, and you know, as you said, exploitative, I mean, yes, that's absolutely one way this comes off, but to take it into our real life, a lot of times that's how people's behavior who are not diagnosed with mental illnesses and really don't have any other excuse are, like forgiven their behavior you know especially if we look like at our president right so many people are like oh he is seriously something wrong with his mental blah 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 it's like or he's just an old racist like <laughs> who's been empowered yeah like you don't need to make excuses yeah i mean there are people who do need help and they actually like know what they need and go and get treatment or they're denied treatment because our healthcare system doesn't fucking work but it's not okay to like conflate that with someone who like is mean and evil. Yeah. <laughs> it like, it absolves them from responsibility in some way. And then here's another one, which kind of ties two of the other ones together when they hack into the, or they get the, the papers off of, is it Jim's dad's desk or whatever? Oh, yeah. And like they find the email that says SO wants lunch tomorrow to discuss a business opportunity. And they're trying to figure out who SO is. And they're like, uh, maybe SO is a cousin or maybe it's an imaginary childhood friend. Or SO is his sixth personality as he has secretly suffered from schizophrenia for years. Like at this point, my note was just like, this is getting really old. Because <laughs> like disassociative identity disorder, which is like, quote-unquote multiple personality disorder is not schizophrenia and like whatever it's just i don't know it just perpetuates ignorance about mental illness right and it makes it so people who actually do need help it's harder for them to get it you know yeah. i do i mean i think crazy is the one that i try to work on the hardest yeah uh, i actually have a friend who managed to date a lot of people who did end up end up kind of obsessive and like it was bad news. He had a pattern for a while. And when we were talking about it, you know, he was like, oh, my crazy exes. And I was like, let's just not use crazy. You know, let's be specific about what was going on there. Like 
they had trauma, mm. you know, they <laughs> no, they didn't act the greatest way, but like it's because of these specific things. It's not just because they're crazy, you know. Yeah. Like and also you were playing into it, dude. So <laughs> at least own up your own behavior. Yeah. It's hard. It's so pervasive. Yeah. It is. It is. And crazy has been something that women specifically have been dismissed with, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, gaslighting itself, the concept comes from a movie where a man wants to get his wife committed so he can steal her money <laughs> and go marry another woman. And so he flickers the lights, which it's an older movie, which are gaslights at the time. And then when she sees them and asks him what's going on, he's like, oh, they're not flickering. Mm-hmm. He, you know, it, it dismisses people's real fears and real concerns yeah so yeah there was just one or two i'll roll my eyes at and then i'll be like okay whatever but it just felt like come on (laughs) like there's just it kept happening over and over in this book and it was like all right we get it like (laughs) you're you don't have like actual words to describe like what i don't know what people are doing or describe their personality without dipping into like this or maybe it's what those rich east coast kids actually say to each other which i wouldn't be surprised about yeah i think if it was that i would have liked maybe some like the author to pull like to mention that yeah and acknowledge it rather than just be like oh this is what everybody uses because it's not what everybody uses want to move on yeah cool <laughs> let's talk about the main course so i have pulled up for this food the puked on lobster dinner <laughs> on the yacht which is called the last hurrah which i actually love <clears throat> like this author did a really good job of having things named yeah in ways that like tied into the story uh but for there one of the two characters whitley and is it canon mm-hmm. they for a while go off and reenact they figured out how to get on this yacht Mm -hmm. where they can basically like just fuck with everybody's lives like for fun yes and like get fed drink all the alcohol or whatever and so finally Beatrice who we're following through the story as our like main character main narrator she figures out how they've gotten on the yacht and she gets to get on the yacht and watch what they're doing and just sees everything go to pieces yeah that was actually really hard for me to read. Yeah. I just, I thought it was so interesting the way that the different characters came up with coping mechanisms to sort of handle going through the same day over and over and over. So like Whitley and Cannon just went to go get drunk and mess with people's lives and party on this boat. And Martha like uh, met yeah. that professor and is trying to get to the science of all of it. And then is it Kipling? Yeah. Who, uh, Kip Kipling hitch, hitches a ride with, some lady he finds his mother figure yeah 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 and then Beatrice is just sort of like what's everybody else up to she's kind Um, of the creeper of the story yeah literally spying on everyone else yeah (laughs) I I just want to say for this in particular one of my one of a, a trope in like comedy or in films that I have a really hard time with is when people don't know that when people aren't in on the joke Mm. so like there's a few comedians that do this where they'll like set up something and the people coming to the interview like don't know it's for a comedy show and don't know they're gonna be messed with and like to me that means there's a lack of consent and it's basically bullying you know Mm. because bullies specifically don't want you to be in on the joke and yeah. so they manipulate things for you to feel bad like you'll you'll be like oh i'm in on the joke and it's like no no they're just like making fun of you 
I'm curious to know, do you remember that Sasha Baron Cohen? Yes. Thing? How do you feel about that? I because can never watch his stuff. It's just that, yeah, there's like the concept, but then the things that he gets them to do, it's like that attitude and that willingness to like, you know, must have been in you all along. So it's kind of, I don't know. I I think, you know, if what you, if you find some like, truth or whatever or if there's like some consequence for that person for like telling you their secrets that's one thing but I really do have a problem with like consent and like I mean I've been bullied you know I really just I don't think it's funny and the other thing that I've seen about this is like usually it's dudes Mm. and I can't remember which comedian we were talking about recently but they were like oh yeah he has to film like six hours and he gets 20 minutes out of it and I'm like he's wasting everyone's time man (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I don't think guys are that funny (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh that scene was hard for me but the topic that i brought up is the murder mystery of jim hmm. jim is their friend that has died beatrice's boyfriend he died their senior year of high school and the whole point that the whole point of beatrice even going to see these people is because she wanted to see if she could figure out what they knew mm-hmm. about his death and that lurking throughout the whole book is actually terrifying. It was really creepy. Yeah. It, there is a deep, dark miasma overhanging this book, which is also why I listened to the, the audiobook in one night because I was like, I cannot, I cannot wait to, I need to find out what this is so I can sleep peacefully. Right. Tonight. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> yeah. And like everybody had a role in it, which is just, yeah. Yeah, it, it yeah it was creepy because <laughs> like nobody really knew except for the two who hid the body or whatever. Yeah, um, nobody really knew like what the other people knew and how they were all connected. So like when it all came together that like everybody kind of had a hand in his death, then it's like oh shit, <laughs> there isn't really like one person to blame or. And you find out the gym wasn't that innocent either. Yeah, and of course it's sad that a young person died, but. I just, the fact that his parents went to all of those lengths. So I guess I'm trying to remember the story with Jim is that he was on a boat and he was drinking and like drinking and boating and he hit this guy and his daughter's boat and the daughter was killed Mm -hmm. and like Jim was in a coma and, you know, and then they even address in the book, like rather than they have the money to make this not be a thing to get it you know wiped from his record or whatever but instead like the family just goes to this elaborate efforts to make sure that jim just doesn't even know what he did so they pay off the father to pretend that his daughter was in a car accident they pay his other kids way through ivy league schools and they offer to like give money toward his business and all this stuff like just to keep jim from knowing that he you know accidentally killed this girl and yeah I mean wouldn't it have been easier I mean I know like you know as parents you want to protect your kids but I thought it was more about the father protecting his his reputation yeah Mm. because he's like this extremely wealthy dude he he owns like the wealthiest business for something I can't remember what it is that he does it's like security tech security Yeah, yeah, yeah and so yeah, I felt like it was him 
protecting his reputation. Like if that Mm. got out that he had a son that was reckless like that, like how would his clients feel about his ability to protect their, you know, data and information. And like, also it's a case study for what he's probably helping other people do. You know, I was like this, I don't even think it was about Jim. I think Jim was collateral. I think like it was about the father yeah okay I guess I maybe I overestimated uh parents caring about their children yeah (laughs) silly me (laughs) this is YA (laughs) we don't we don't get good parents in YA most of the time that's very true um and they're real bad parents yeah but I was just I was thinking like Beatrice's parents are the only decent parents that's true yeah oh it breaks my heart when like um before they decide to come together and like do something about their time in limbo and they're just kind of each reliving their own days she just like follows her parents and like sits in the back of the movie theater and watches them watch the movie so sad oh my god (laughs) that was really killer in the gut yeah okay see okay here it is in the yeah so the story is that like nobody would except for jim was hurt in this boating accident and it says this should have resulted in a charge of manslaughter against jim because the girl was killed she was four which meant as a minor with his father's connections at most given that he'd been drinking he'd have gone to a juvenile facility for a few months maybe even weeks and would have been released on probation this wasn't good enough for the masons instead they decided the incident shouldn't have happened it happened at all so they decided to erase it from history Redesigned the past. They struck a deal with the dude. Take care of him and his family forever. Like, wouldn't it have been cheaper and easier? <laughs> so I guess maybe it isn't then about protecting. It probably Jim. would have been cheaper and easier, but then they don't have full control of the narrative. That's true. I mean, people, especially people who do like security and power and all of that, they want control of the narrative. Yeah. Once you open yourself up to other people or like the police or the justice system like you don't get to control it anymore the media now controls what's happening yeah and like i don't know think about being jim and like discovering that that's gotta be awful there i can't even i mean i'm trying to think we've talked about like parents keeping secrets from kids before yeah. but like but i mean killing someone is <laughs> kind of a big deal there was a kid at my high school these two kids in my high school who uh, went drag racing on a busy windy street and slammed into a tree. And one of the the driver, the driver lived, but his, the passenger died and they were friends. And like he was in a coma or something for a while. And when he woke up, like he didn't have any memory oh, of man. the situation and like having killed his friend and everything. And I, rem- I was on the school newspaper at the time and like we were doing an article on it but there, it was just very like we had to be really careful and like really sensitive and like you know and the kind of questions that we asked him and stuff but like he knew you know they told him what had happened they didn't try to pretend that he never did it and yeah so I'm just imagining like if it had been more of like a gym thing where everybody had to tiptoe around and pretend it didn't happen like mm. that seems I don't know I feel like I would want to know if it were me like yeah, and I mean, I definitely would want to know. And I felt like one of the like unsaid things in the story is like, maybe, maybe this is karma. Mm. You know, like you tried to escape something and it came back for you. Like especially with the addition of this wake piece. Yeah. Like, we don't know the whole mechanics of everything, so maybe it. it Martha it, does well. 
But maybe it did come back in that way. And like you couldn't escape like the fate that was avoided, like came back like multiple um, fold. What's that movie? Uh, Final Destination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they like avoid the plane crash or whatever. So that death like comes back for them in like all these other ways. (laughs) Death will come for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But. Oh God, there's twist after twist though. Like you don't even figure that out until very deep into the book. Yeah, I meant I looked up where it is. It's at seventy eight percent. It's like when we find out like that full story. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Do you want to say anything else about that? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, we can talk about the mechanics of the wake, which is next. Yeah. So for dessert, I pulled out wreck rummage, which was. Every kid's ice cream, favorite ice cream flavor, a mashup of cookie dough, walnuts, cake batter, and dark chocolate nuggets. And I decided I wanted some. <laughs> it's uh, Beatrice works at her family's cafe and has to like serve ice cream to kids. Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning, she they mentioned that. Um, but the mechanics of the wake. Okay, so I don't, it's been a minute since I read this. Do you want to go over it, Britt? Um, so from what I remember... They are reliving the same the day after their car accident, like over and over until they can come to a decision about which one of them gets to live. And yeah, it has to be unanimous, except there's allowed to be one dissenter. But then Martha um, finds some professor and like studies. I forgot what it is. Like part of it is that she's studying the wake, but also she's studying it's how like to manipulate physics. Yeah. Kind of. But she also studies how to manipulate people so that she can get everybody to vote for B as like the one who survives. Yes. And so they at first are just in denial and they do their own thing. And then they are like, okay, we need to get out of here. And so they think that solving the mystery of Jim's death is going to like speed the process along or whatever. And so Martha figures out a way that they can, um, instead of waking up in the same day, they can like, I don't know, concentrate on a day and time or have a piece of Jim's clothing or something that will like teleport them to a certain time and place. Um, except Canon. It's the same date, right? Is it the same? It's like within their wake, but somewhere else. Or is it before? I can't remember. There was a few different ones they did. Yeah. I don't think anybody went to the future. Like Martha said you could, but I don't think they did. Oh. Like they went to but Beatrice goes to the past, right? Yeah, because yes. she. But like when you go to the past, you're in your old self's body. So it's not like a time turner in Harry Potter where there's like your past self and your present self and you have to avoid them like you inhabit them. So like she went to that party at Jim's parents house or whatever. That's like, right. Yeah. Well, and she followed the police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and followed Jim too. Yeah. And then like over time, the wakes, like the, the time between when they're pulled back and it's the next day gets like shorter and shorter. Yeah. The longer um, you let the whole process cycle go yeah. on and not make a decision, yeah. the less time you get. Yeah. And then even it's even more unstable when they are going to different times and places as well. Yeah. And the way the other, well, this is kind of also drinks, but like the way they figured this out is because Martha's read this specific book mm. called The Dark House at Elsewhere Bend. It's a fictional book, book within a book, that is Martha's contributed contribution to the wake. So the the physical manifestation of the wake isn't 
a true reality. Each person has brought their own right. piece into the the wake, the thing that they see as the physicality of it, which I thought was really interesting. But Martha's like, oh, minus this book. And because she knows the book, the book is what allows them to escape out and go to these other places. So with that, I wonder if they hadn't been trapped with her, would they have not been able to do that? Right. Like mm-hmm. without her contribution to the wake with that knowledge of the of the other book, would they have been able to manipulate it the way they were able to? That's a good question. Probably not. I don't know. Because other stuff that's in there is like there's particular hornets that right. only exist one place. And there's also like trees and then under the trees is water because of another person's experience. And there's animals. I there's other animals like that don't exist. There's mm-hmm. like a purple hawk or something. There's like stuff that doesn't exist in the real world. And yeah. Then, like it keeps crumbling. Yeah. And that's B's thing like that she's adding to the wake without knowing is that things are like rotting and like the trees are it's just like falling over and stuff yeah. because she has like this darkness in her about like Jim and yeah, not knowing She's like, like lying to him. herself. I mean, as a true reliable narrator, she's not only lying to herself and right. everyone else, but like then it starts to feed the storyline mm-hmm. and the book and like kind of destroy everything. Yeah. And of course, Whitley's addition is the unstable weather. I was mad. I was mad about how she was depicted. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, she's clearly a terrible person, which is why we're not supposed to like her. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Are we supposed to like her? I didn't really like anyone. <laughs> Me either. I mean, maybe Martha. Martha seemed like the only like somewhat decent person in this whole thing. But then I don't know. Her like reverence for B was a little creepy. And like, you need to be the one to tell our story. And like, it's you. And but then I also I get it because B saved her life. And, you know, she was grateful for that. And she like it was prom or homecoming or something and she had been planning on killing herself and then be just kind of stumbled into her room and they talked and Martha like didn't go through with it. But then she kind of like turned this gratefulness like into like a, yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of, I didn't think I really liked any of the characters. I didn't like any of the characters and yet I still read the book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like for a book where the same day is repeated over and over, like it definitely never felt repetitive. <laughs> right. Because we're not actually I was going back through for every young adult's list of books and and being like, do I want to read everything? Because I've read everything since 2012. Mm. And I was like going back to 2010 and 2011. I'm like, how many of these have, re- have I read? Do I want to read all of them? And there was another one before I fall. Is that Lauren Oliver? I think so. But it's also like she's replaying the same day over yeah. and over again. And on the seventh time, she figures out how to like get herself out of it mm. or whatever. Okay. And then I was reading reviews of it and some people were saying like it gets pretty repetitive, but this does not. It doesn't. And the pacing is really good, too, because like there's times when like when they first figure out where Cannon went to his like blue screen lake yeah. area or whatever. And she's trying to figure out how to save everybody from drowning or whatever it is that she's trying to do. I can't remember. Oh, that's right. And like the first couple of times, like it goes through everything that she tries and and then you know, you don't need to hear the same thing over and over. So it's like by like the seventh time I had figured out blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So the pace I thought was good. It kept it from being like too drawn out or too like, wait, what just happened? Right. She doesn't repeat the things that we already know. She yeah. only goes to the differences in the the re- repetitions. And I thought that was well done. Yeah. 
I do want to say, since we've mashed up the dessert and the drinks, yes. that the drinks I pulled out were a harpoon IPA and gummy worms, which is what the police detective is snacking on. <laughs> harpoon IPA is like an actual IPA. It's good. It's a good drink. Cool. Uh, yeah. So The Dark House at Elsewhere Bend, this fictional book within the book, I've seen a whole list of folks... I, or I was like looking that up earlier and there's a whole I guess there's a book list of like fictional books that we want to read and this is like at the top mm. of a lot of people's lists yeah but it seems really cool it's like steampunk uh-huh like eight early late 1800s early 1900s this guy's really depressed and then in his like attempt at suicide he figures out how to kind of get out of his reality and like go other places Mm. but you don't get a lot of explanation of the storyline of the book like you kind of get the setting and then you get that piece is how martha knows how to get out of their time loop but what you do get is this whole like cult explanation about how all of these people are obsessed with the book Mm -hmm. and like you can't really get it anywhere you kind of just have to know someone who has it and then of course it turns out that the house that they're staying at has a copy of the book. Yeah. I liked that piece. I liked that it was like a book kind of with its, the book was kind of a character yeah. on its own. Yeah. Um, I thought that was cool. Yeah. It kind of reminded me not so much in like fangirl, for example, where the book, like there's whole parts of the book that are like within the book, but it's it's there but like we don't read any like text from the book like the fault in our stars mm. the author that uh hazel is obsessed yes. with in the book that he writes like yeah and how it's there and it helps shape the story but we still don't know like the exact words of the book or whatever yes unrelated but i thought it was interesting that uh for a book that could have so many plot holes or like unanswered questions i thought she did a good job of addressing a lot of them because like i was thinking like well if you kill yourself like then you did nope (laughs) they were like nope committing suicide does not uh get you out of it like you'll come back you know just things like that yeah she anticipating what people might say hey wait but like no cover that (laughs) yeah so she does all the setup at the beginning like the the creepy i don't know what is he the undertaker he's like their butler yeah it kind of reminded me of Clue a little bit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but he's also like a creepy manifestation of... He says, of, he's like, I look like something all of you would be okay with somehow. Or yeah. Like, I was like, oh Like he God. reminds them of one of their teachers. And then when B wakes up in the hospital, he's the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was creepy. Yeah. I kind of want to know more about his story. So he gives the explanation about how the wake works yeah. at the beginning. And it's not that much time. And then all the other things that we get like told or shown or exposed to are all done within the narrative of the story. Mm -hmm. And there's not a like, stop, hammer time. Here's like exposition, exposition, which is like like, highly crafted. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive. Mm -hmm. Did you want to bring up anything else? Um, I think that's it. I don't think we give everything away. I mean, if you still if you're listening to this and you haven't read the book, we still didn't say like what each part each character played. And I think it's still worth reading. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you like mysteries, especially if you like unreliable narrators. And if you're interested in like sci-fi fantasy mechanics in contemporary, I, I think this is maybe one of the best examples of that that I've read. Yeah. So well done, Marisha Pestel. I think this is her debut novel, too. Um, or had she written something else? I think she had written some other stuff. 
No, I don't remember. What does Google say? <laughs> I think they're going to make a movie out of this also. That I would watch. Yeah. The, I really want to know how they... Yeah, that would be really interesting. Okay, so she's got... The other thing on here is night film and special topics in Calamity. But yeah, I definitely would be interested in seeing this as a film. Yeah. The, I think the way things like melt and crumble and like, I think it would be a really good example of using like cool special effects. Yeah. It'd definitely be really visually visually compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. (laughs) Until next time. Book appetite.